stifling performance by the Dallas Stars tonight who beat the Edmonton Oilers 4-1. Edmonton held to just 22 shots on goal. Probably one grade-A scoring chance the entire game, and that was the Edmonton goal by Ryan McLeod in the second period, his third of the season. Dallas got the lead in this one, two power play goals in the first period, and they pretty much cruised from there as the Oilers' record drops to 13-5. and five. Connor McDavid held off the score sheet for the first time this season. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center for Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Thanks a lot for joining us tonight. Well... Rob, we'll we'll start in the first period tonight, and the Oilers have f- fallen behind a lot lately, as as we know. And we were talking a lot on the faceoff show about the Oilers' penalty kill, which has been excellent. First time this season, they're scored on twice in a game, and and it happened in the first period. So there's a matchup, the first of many matchups Dallas was able to win tonight. They have a really good power play. Coming into the game, 26.7%, fourth in the league, and they were able to top the Oilers' number two ranked PK. Yeah, they moved the puck around very well. Uh, It's one where they take what they were given. In the first power play, the Oilers were playing a very tight box, and uh, the puck went back to Klingberg, and he just threw a puck on net. He had, they had bodies in front of the net. They won the battle in front. It was a tip, and it was in. It was actually a double tip. Well, the Oilers tried to counter that by putting a, a man a little bit higher to take away that shot. Well, that opened the seam pass, and it was a wonderful cross-ice pass that found Robertson's stick, and he had a wide-open net. So the Dallas Stars did a very good job moving the puck around and just taking what the, they could get against the Oilers' PK. Uh, the Oilers' PK has been fantastic all year, but tonight uh, it wasn't there just like, most of the Oilers game wasn't there. The Dallas Stars were a much better hockey club. They fell behind again, and tonight they played a better team, a team that it was very comfortable with the lead and played a stifling-type defense that once they got the the lead, they just shut her down. And the Edmonton Oilers, uh, they just... As you said, they didn't create anything. The Oilers had one scoring chance on the night, and they scored on it. And I can't remember. It's funny. The young goalie in that... Jake Ottinger. Ottinger. I had to look up his name there because we didn't hear it. <laughs> I, he didn't have to make a save in, in this hockey game. And not a, nothing against him. He made all the routine saves, and he made them look routine. But there wasn't one where you said, oh, the Oilers could have scored that one, or the Oilers should have scored that one. They just didn't. Dallas did such a good job defensively. Yeah, very good game once they, they got the lead. I mean, I mentioned the shot total for Edmonton, and, and we could see it on our, our monitor here. Uh, Oilers on the attack, always outnumbered. D- Dallas players back, blocking a lot of shots, getting in the shooting lanes. And you kind of just talked about it with Bob as well. Okay, Look, of, of course, that's the game plan against Edmonton, and all good. To easier yeah. said. It's like, it's like saying, "Well, there's the best wide receiver in the league. Just go cover him." Easier said than done. But Dallas did a good job tonight. They did it with team commitment and team defense. I thought. But what's the one thing that that I think can fluster McDavid and Drysital some nights? And we, we yes, to some extent, it's been rangy defensemen with some teams who have a longer reach and can force them wide but maybe more than anything it's quick defensemen and and Dallas has some very good skating defensemen and and I thought that was a big difference tonight well I've been asked many times what I would rather play against a big physical mean defenseman or a small little skilled one that's that plays a little softer I like playing against the big mean guy you know once or twice a game he's going to catch you and you're going to take a big hit but you can beat him. And if you have a step on him, you're going to keep your step. Uh, a fast, skilled type defenseman, he's just, he knows those type of moves because he, he's done them himself. He stays in the right position. He, he's not going to push off the puck, but he's going to stay beside you the entire time. And Heskinen tonight, uh, there was no room for Connor McDavid. He was all over. He, in most defense, when they go against Connor, they give him so much room because they're afraid that he's going to beat them. And he does. He's, he's much faster than, uh, well, anyone in the league, but it, huge difference of speed between him and most of the defensemen in the league. So they, they back up. They play a, a prevent-type defense and allows Connor to, all the time in the world in the offensive zone, to dipsy-doodle, find the play he wants, attack when he feels like doing it. Heiskanen didn't do that. He was on him the whole time. He had perfect gap. He challenged Connor. He skated up through the neutral zone with him. In the offensive zone, when Connor does his skate around the entire outside of the rink, trying to wait for that moment to attack, he now had a guy in his back pocket because he had a player that can skate with him. 
Heiskin, he, he might be the best skating defenseman in the National Hockey League. So this is the first game this year where Connor McDavid wasn't dominant. And to me, it was they had a, a huge um, uh, group-like effort defensively when they had four guys back, five guys back, they blocked shots. But really, Heiskin and the way he played limited what Connor McDavid was able to do tonight. So the Oilers lose 4-1 in Dallas. The Calgary Flames are going to win their game. They get an empty net goal with a minute 21 left to go up 4-2 on Chicago. The scoreboard update for Edmonton Trailer looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers. Head to Edmonton Trailer. I'm not sure, is Lucci's going to get credit for this one? No, he just made sure the Chicago guy didn't get it. It was one of those slow (laughs) rollers. It got hacked into the Chicago end, high in the air, and then it bounced at the top of the circle and was rolling towards the net. And instead of reaching and trying to tap it in himself to make sure it got in, Luch did some, uh, well, it wasn't interference. He just he just did enough to angle the Chicago player off and it rolled in. Well, he's going to get huge props in the dressing room for that because he, he, had, he had a breakaway on an empty net, and he all he did was lift. Trevor the, Lewis gets the goal. Yeah, he lifted the Chicago Blackhawk defenseman stick so that the puck would go in without him touching it. Uh, so good on Luchis, but the Calgary Flames, are off. Well, I mean, I I'm surprised, shocked, the season that they have started this year. As I do now, are they move ahead of the Edmonton Oilers with this win tonight? Well, they're going to be they're going to be three points ahead. Edmonton has two games in hand. There you go. Calgary's off to a great start, and Markstrom another fantastic start in net for the Calgary Flames. Yeah, uh, Calgary was the from what we saw in this game, though Calgary they almost controlled dub- it. Yeah, yeah, they almost oh, doubled Chicago. them. Chicago, but so Calgary will get the win there as they go into the last thirty seconds, and also tonight just one other game. The Lightning shut out the Flyers. So did Calgary get another empty yeah. netter? Okay, Goudreau five, just five, scored two. five two five two, and the Lightning shut out the Flyers four nothing. Edmonton loses four. One in Dallas at the start of the three-game road trip. Let's go back to Big D. It's Dave Tippett. Road trip. How did you assess your team's effort level tonight? We started out the game fine, and we took a couple penalties, got behind, and chased the game the rest of the game. How much did discipline play a factor in tonight's loss? Um, I don't think we deserved as many as we got. Is it? Sorry, let me restart that. How how do you balance? perhaps not getting some of the calls that probably should have been called and then getting a little too many on your end. You know what, How do you, you know make what you, sure? you try to kill them. That's the difference. We didn't kill them tonight. We've been getting some, you know, there's some games that goes like that. When you're able to kill those penalties, you get it done. When we give up two power play goals, actually three, one right at the end of it, um, you're chasing the game. Against a heavy team like that, they're going to play in front of the in front of the puck all night and you get behind, It's it's... Hard to jump back in. Do you have an update on Duncan Keith? No, not yet. I haven't talked to him yet. How much of a challenge is it when you're already out with your number one defense, when you lose Cuckoo as well, and now you're losing a guy with that much NHL experience? Well, the the three guys that were on our left side defense last week are not here right now, so that's that's a challenge. What did you think of Broberg's play stepping in into the? Broberg's played fine. Yeah, he's played fine. He's got, you know, tonight probably got more minutes than expected because of the injury, so he's been fine. When you're coming off an opening road trip loss like that, it's almost nice to just get back into game action tomorrow night, not think about it. Yeah, we got to get, we got to jump right back in tomorrow night, without a doubt. We got a tough turnaround here. We'll have to be ready tomorrow night. Take one question on Zoom, Mark Spector. Go ahead. Yeah, two questions if I can, Dave. Uh, I know you're not probably in the mood to talk about it, but Conor McDavid's point streak ended tonight. Is it? Yeah. Is it just a sign of how difficult it is to to get a point every single night in this league in every game? No, I mean his accomplishment so far has been unbelievable. So you know this streak's over and move on. Uh, you did it. it it was just one of those nights where you, even for Connor and Leon, the puck wasn't staying flat for them. They couldn't get through the, the Dallas defense. Uh, did you guys just not have enough, or did they just play a really strong defensive game on you? They got they got the two power play goals in the first period, and that allows them just to make sure they're over top of everything, and it makes it harder on you. Thank you. There are no more questions. This is Luke Stein, Media Okay, so that is head coach Dave Tippett. Oilers lose 4-1 to Dallas, and he was asked about it. Another significant story is that Duncan Keith left this game uh, about five minutes into the second period, did not return, upper body injury. So Tippett didn't have 
a comment. So so we'll see. They do play again tomorrow. Darnell Nurse is out. Slater Cuckoo is out. So you know the injuries we're going to hit at some point. Now, so far, the Oilers have survived mm-hmm. uh, an injury to the guy slated to be their number one goalie at the start of the year. I mean, Koskinen and Skinner have both thrived basically they, they've been really good so now this is a, this is a big test on defense the big <laughs> test well I, he made a really good point that the three left-handed defensemen they had last week none of them are going to be in the lineup tomorrow they, they most of the game tonight they weren't in the lineup um it tests your depth uh it gives opportunities to players to to increase their minutes to see what they're capable of capable of doing uh you want to look at a silver lining broberg you get to see what he's he can do at this level and get real minutes not sheltered minutes uh, you can't shelter him when there's only two left-handed <laughs> demon out there and the other guy that you're playing with the other lefty is a guy that's been in the press box most of the year so uh I, I don't know if it'll affect them as much tomorrow against Arizona, but it certainly will affect them against Vegas on Saturday night. Uh, it was, tonight was a big, heavy team that that pressured it. And in this game tonight, the Oilers lost. The biggest battle they lost was in front of the net. The Dallas Stars had two tip-in goals and created havoc in front of the Oilers' blue paint. Had a number of good chances. Uh, won battles, beat players to certain positions, got rebounds, peppered Stuart Skinner. In the opposite end, I don't remember a second shot that the Oilers had. There wasn't a tip. There wasn't, yeah. uh, they didn't create any opportunities. And there was a perfect example of how little the Oilers got to the net is there was one shot that the goaltender mishandled and it laid two inches from the goal line. He had no idea idea where it was and no Oiler was even close to getting to that puck. So the Oilers lost that battle and a lot of it has to do losing in Friday night, there's no nurse in the lineup, no Keith in the lineup, no Cuckoo in the lineup. Guys that normally would be battling in front on the left side weren't there for the Oilers tonight. Yeah, and how they deal with these injuries is going to be our adjustment of the game for pro drain techs for peace of mind down the line. 4-1, Dallas takes it. You can get in touch, 780-496-0063. That's the hotline for certainty, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. Certainty, pro all the way. You're also going to hear from Cody Cece. Back in a couple of minutes, Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line on 630 Chet. Robertson, it cuts to Hintz, he'll shoot it. Save made by Skinner, he holds on. Hintz was trying to get it to Robertson. The pass got blocked, came back to him. He put it on net, and Stuart Skinner makes a nice save. All right, Stuart Skinner saved the game for Reface Magic. Transform your kitchen with ease. See the magic at refacemagic.ca. Oilers lose 4-1 to the Dallas Stars as uh, Stuart Skinner takes the loss tonight. Jake Ottinger, the winning goaltender for Dallas. Tony writes in, he says, hey, guys, disappointing game tonight on almost every front minus Skinner, who was not the reason the Oilers lost at all. Tony goes on to say, I have to question Dave Tippett here. Consistently slow starts minus the first five minutes tonight. No cohesion, no drive, and sloppy, horrible lines. Like, why they put Perlini on the first line? What is Tippett doing? Seriously, that is from Tony. All right. Well, a lot there. Um, <laughs> oh, well, the I mean, I, like, slow I, starts are on the players. I, I, I played. Uh, if when you come out consistently as a slow start, that's on you. It's, the coach will tell you over and okay, we got to be better in the starts. We got to do this. He's tried different lines starting. He's gone with his first line. He's gone with his fourth line. He's put Leon and Connor together. He's tried everything. Uh, the others, skilled players, start slow. Uh, and sometimes it comes back and bites them. And it does usually when you play a good team. They played a team that knows how to win tonight. And once Dallas got the lead, they, they shut them down. So that that's not on the coach. It's for the lines. Every team shakes their lines up. And tonight, the, the Oilers had absolutely zero going offensively, and Dave Tippett switched it up. So I got no problem switching the lines up. I mean, tonight the goal was scored by McLeod playing with Leon Dreisaitl. That's not his normal winger, but they they flip-flop things all over the place trying to create a little bit of offense, but nothing worked tonight. Oilers lose 4-1 to Dallas, 780-496-0063. We have Robert standing by. Hey, Robert, go ahead. Hey, guys, how you doing? Pretty good. Well, I mean, I guess... Uh, I mean, I guess you had to figure McDavid's point streak was going to end eventually. But, I mean, you know what, uh, all that aside, I mean, you know, these uh, these slow starts, so, uh, you know, I, I've, I, I totally agree. Something, 
something there has to change because 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 then like once we get to like the second half of the season and and the playoffs is uh, these slow starts in in my opinion are not going to cut it. Well, it's funny, the one comment you made where uh, McDavid's point streak had to finish at some point. Actually, I didn't I didn't know if it would. The way he plays, the way he, he some nights where you don't notice him as much, and he always oh, got two points tonight. I thought it was almost an automatic. Every time he stepped on the ice, he was going to get two points. So uh, it was a night that he had a, a one-timer on a power play in the last 12 seconds of the game, and that was the first really offensive opportunity he had. The Dallas Stars did as good a job as we've seen any team in the last few years against Connor McDavid. They, uh, it was a great job. And the reason they were able to do it is they got the lead. If, the, if they're trailing, they can't play Connor and Leon the same way because they have to cheat. They've got to try to create things. But once they got the lead because of the power play goals, they were able to get into a game plan, which was just completely shutting down the other's top players. Yeah, I, I want like I, first of all, I, I agree with you, and from talking to you over the years, and and people I've talked to in hockey and other sports, there's an agreement that being prepared to play a game is is up to the players. Yeah. like that's their that's their job to play. They should know what they have to do to put themselves in the right mindset or the zone or or whatever they want to call it. I'm wondering though. The, the coach is still the boss yep. and at some point you got to help the employees if they're not so I mean remember T- Todd McClellan a few years ago because the Oilers had a stretch of uh, when I was looking up those records it was uh, eight or nine games where they were scored on first and he said okay I told them we're going to play two games tonight we're going to play a 10 minute game and then a 50 minute game we have to win one and tie the other but what is so does Tippett have to do something like that but let's go back a little bit we taught you Todd McClellan had this problem with the team Ken Hitchcock had this problem with the team Dave Tippett's had this problem with the team so those are three coaches with pretty good pedigrees in the National Hockey League that this team has always had slow starts with so at what point do you say okay it's something more than yeah, just just I, a coach yeah I understand what you're saying uh, for sure so yes the, the player's going to take responsibility I, I like Hitch. I mean, Hitch. The team was bad and going nowhere. They they were beaten in every parts of the game. The thing with this team is, they they have been able to come back because yeah. I mean, they're, they're good in the so eight of the last nine they've been scored on first and they've still gone four and four in those games. So we see them play well. Oh yeah. In sections of the game, I think what we're talking about is, well, what if they got a couple goals early and made the final part of the game less well, stressful abs- than no, some absolutely been. now. Again, we have no idea what's being said in the dressing room. I have no idea. Dave Tippett True. may have something. He might say, all right, everyone gets $5,000 if we score first. <laughs> like, we have no idea what he's saying. Uh, and if he does say that, he can't say it publicly. But it, whatever they, it's done, and, and Dave Tippett's been around for forever. So he's not going to every day just sit in his room. Sure hope they start better tonight. All right, what do you think? So the things are being said, things are being done. They're trying different things. This is on the players, and it's the same player. There's the core is the same core that has been here for a number of years, and this has been a problem for a number of years. Now I honestly can't tell you what 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 changes it. Uh, to me, the the only thing I could see is you you put your star players out, double shift them in the first four or five minutes, get momentum going your way, um, which goes against most coaches because they want all four lines in a game early because you don't want to get someone sitting on the bench for an extended period of time but i don't know what what the answer is but i do know that this is something that's on the players they've got to be better at this and they haven't been you can't continue to fall behind in hockey games that when you start playing better teams they know how to close out games when they get the lead and the edmonton oilers uh, to me to me this whole 82 game season is a dress rehearsal for the playoffs the Oilers are going to be a playoff team. So what do we have to get better at when we get to the playoffs? What do we have to improve on as the season goes along? Well, to me, the biggest thing is start. Because in the playoffs, you're not going to come back and win. I mean, that's eight of nine, so that's almost an entire series where they've given up the first goal in every game of a seven-game series. You're not going to come back and win four in the in the playoffs like you have four here in the regular season. 4-1 Dallas wins it tonight. Ryan McLeod had the only goal for the Edmonton Oilers. Dreisaitl and Pugliarvi with the uh, assists on the play is a, a 
Dallas in control of this game pretty much throughout this evening. Let's go uh, back to Dallas. Cody Cece, defenseman for the Oilers, standing by. I thought we came out pretty good, 5-on-5, five five, and then we took, uh, took a couple penalties, and they scored on them, and we got behind, and before we knew it, we were chasing the game again. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we've, played, uh, we've played pretty good at home. Um, I think we've got to find a way to play a little better on the road. There's been a lot of talk about your power play, rightfully so, but that's pretty good power play on the other end as well. Some good weapons there. Yeah, for sure. They, they moved it around well. They have two uh, pretty balanced power plays, and uh, they showed it tonight. So uh, we'll have to take a look at it, but uh, we've got to move on pretty quickly because we have another game tomorrow night. Uh, heading into this road trip, you're out with your number one defenseman in Darnell Nurse. Slater Cuckoo went down with injury. Duncan Keith goes down tonight. How much of a challenge was that for you guys? Uh, it's definitely a challenge. I mean, those guys uh, eat up pretty big minutes. Um, but it also gives opportunities to uh, some of the younger guys. Robert's come up, and he's played really well for us so far. And uh, He's a great skater, uh, thinks the game well, and gets his shots through. So uh, it's exciting for him, but it is tough, uh, tough for us to, to have those guys go missing. I know those guys also have some experience, but a guy like Duncan Keith who brings that much NHL experience on the bench, what's the significance of losing a guy like that? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, he's, uh, he's always... Uh, he always says the right thing. He's a hard worker for us, and uh, yeah, he's been around a long time. So we lose that uh, experience back there. It is it is tough, but like I said, it allows uh, some of the young guys to step up and uh, and show us their stuff. Can you maybe let us in on the contrast between chasing a game and maybe when you're up ahead or playing your guys to your guys' level? Yeah, I think uh, we we play a little more confident when we uh, when we have the lead and. Uh, we just play play the right way, and uh, we get our chances that way. Opposed to when we're behind, maybe we're forcing it a little bit too much, turning pucks over, and before we know it, uh, we're down even more. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, when we get get ahead early, we uh, we just play a little stronger, a little more confident. Uh, first game of the road trip tonight is obviously a loss. Is it almost nice to kind of get back into game action tomorrow? Yeah, I think uh, we don't really want to think about this one too too long. Uh, we have another. Uh, game tomorrow night, chance to uh, to get right back at it. Um, this one uh, stings a little bit, but uh, hopefully we uh, just come out stronger uh, tomorrow. Yeah, it's Cody Cece after the Oilers lose 4-1 in Dallas. I, Craig McTavish was on my show last week, and we were talking about the slow starts to games, and he said it in his experience, it was almost something you didn't want to draw too much attention to because that that might make it worse if you get players <laughs> overthinking about it. You just want them, okay, just like go and play. Don't think about, oh, this is the part of the game where we usually don't play very well. Well, I, I think to an extent, but if it becomes a bigger problem, then, okay, you know what, we're going to have to talk about this because this is going on way, way too long. Uh, and, and it is. It, it, it has, I mean, the others, the players aren't dumb. Right. They're, they're sitting on the bench like, we're down again? Like, seriously, what, what are we doing wrong here? Uh, I, honestly, I don't know what you do to correct it, but you certainly have to find something. And, and it also will become, you get a little confidence. You win one, you start one game with it, scoring first or having a good first period. That'll snowball into two games, into three games, and get confident. Now you feel good about yourselves going into these games. Sometimes you get tentative, and I think that's what Mac T was talking about. You start talking about it, you start getting tentative and thinking about it too much, and then you, you force things, or you take away your creativity because you don't want to make a mistake early in a hockey game. So uh, they'll hopefully find it. Uh, they are they are still a, a very good hockey club. There's just every team in the National Hockey League, we can go through it and you can tell, okay, there's what's wrong with this team here? It's defense. It's goaltending. It's, they're too small. They're too, every team's got something. Right now for the Edmonton Oilers, it's, they're a slow-starting slow hockey team. Darren says, why not start the third line and then put out the fourth line, send a message to the top two lines that they're uh, on their slow starts by starting high-energy lines instead? Yeah, you could try. They, they have done up. that. The Oilers have started their third line and fourth line over the last two weeks. They, they put Well, maybe not their fourth line, but their third line has started. Third line has started. Yeah. Not as often as one of the top two lines. So no, but they, they have. They just, in the Lately, though, in the last two and a half weeks, other than the one game on home ice, the third line hasn't been very good. Early in the season, the third line was starting a lot, and they were very good. As of late, the third line has not played well at all, so it kind of takes away the energy when your third line goes out there and stands the entire shift in their own end. Uh, I'll just answer this one quickly. Uh, somebody says, Reed, why are the postgame questions changed to an interview format? One person asking questions instead of many reporters. Uh, 
the I, I don't know who I, I'm not sure which media outlets are traveling, but not all media outlets are traveling reporters to every location. Uh, so that's why on the road you're hearing fewer people ask questions. At home, at home, it's back to how it was. Tip goes into the Hall of Fame room. Uh, people can ask questions. It's it's different on the road. That's Tony Brar with uh, Oilers TV who was was asking most of the questions uh, tonight. I think on, in Winnipeg, Jim Matheson was there. I think somebody else might have been there. So it will it will be it will be a little different, I suppose. Uh, as as depending on how certain media outlets outlets are are traveling there reporters like I can't tell you exactly how it's set up because I'm not there on the road but uh, Tony's obviously there and ask questions tonight so that's how it goes you no. will you will uh, but in any team's home game is going to have more reporters at it in any sport than on yes. the road I absolutely would, I would think so yeah seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three Oilers fall four one to the Dallas Stars. No Japanese Village goal light tonight. The Oilers have to score five or more in a game for us to turn on the goal light on 630Ched.com. When that happens, you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village. Try the legendary Wagyu steak cooked before your eyes. Reserve now at jvedmonton.ca. Take a quick timeout. Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Hints and Robertson on power plays in the first period. Gurionov just after a Dallas power play expired in the second. A minute eight later, Ryan McLeod scored. And then Glenn Denning with a really nice deflection in the third for Dallas to round out the scoring. 4-1 is your final. Connor McDavid did not get a point. His streak is over. First time this year he's held off the score sheet. The Oilers' record falls to 13-5. Dallas now winners of four of their last five as they go to 8-7-2. The total saves in this game was 50 so Shelley had the under 59 and a half for our River Cree Resort and Casino gift card 50 bucks River Cree Resort and Casino excitement bet on it we set the line before every game and then we let you know who the winner is of the gift card after the game the line was 59 and a half the under total saves was 50 in this one 780-496-0063 is the certain hot certainty hotline if you want to chime in tonight a uh, unusually poor night in the faceoff circle for the Edmonton Oilers at just 40%, with Leon Draisaitl winning just six out of 20 draws for 30%. Well, it's probably indi- indicative of the way the game went for the Oilers. They were chasing all night long, and they, the first battle of every shift is is a faceoff battle, and the Oilers didn't win very many of them. The the Dallas Stars are a veteran team, and they've got a lot of veteran centermen that know how to win faceoffs. So, yeah, I, I think this was a game that the Edmonton Oilers were the second-best team in every aspect of it. And the, the 4-1 score is a pretty good reflection of that. Yeah, definitely. It, it was just w- watching the game, it was just waiting for the Oilers to get something going in the offensive zone. They had a couple... Well, maybe a few shifts where they mm-hmm. cycled, but the puck was never going to the net. No. And, and if it did, it, it was often one and done. And you could see it so many times, you know, in order getting the puck even back to the point along the board. And there was just a Dallas star. Like, they were just playing with desperation to get in shooting lanes and, and yeah and they, that might have been the most committed defensive performance against the Oilers this season I agree like other teams have done well well I mean you got Radulov who when, you, when I think of Radulov I think of a prof- prolific goal scorer a very skilled player and in the first shift of the game he had three block shots and, and was getting in the lanes the the only opportunities the Oilers were getting were shots from the point but then they weren't getting tips. They weren't getting rebounds. It was a shot from the point that the goaltender could see, and then he could control any rebound because there was nobody in his face. And that was the Dallas Stars doing a very good job of, all right, you're going back there with the puck. Well, now we're just going to keep you to the outside here. The blue paint or the home area of the ice was won decidedly by the Dallas Stars in both ends of the rink. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And a couple, again, like deflection goals for them were a difference. The first goal was tipped twice because Radulov tipped it and then Hintz tipped it and then you commented as soon as Glenn Denning scored you really admired how he tipped out well it was so good and, and well first I admire the shot I think it was Suter that shot the puck and he was shooting for a tip he was putting it in an area where his player could tip it he put it on the far side it was going to go wide but the only stick that was going to be able to get there was his forwards and his forward I believe 
I think that one he was fighting with Bouchard in front of the net, and he just got body positioning on Bouchard and, and, and tipped it, and it had... I mean, there's zero chance Skinner is going to get it because Skinner's in the right position, the puck's going wide, and all of a sudden it takes a, a big left turn and finds a wide-open net. But that's just the way that the Dallas Stars played. And there was confusion and chaos in front of the Oilers' net all night long. Skinner had to make a number of big saves because the Dallas Stars would have put a puck on net and then they would just jam the net. And there'd be three guys in the crease pounding at the puck, trying to knock it past Skinner. Uh, we're in the opposite end. You just didn't see that. There just was no uh, sustained pressure in front of the Dallas Star net. There was no second or third whack. It was a shot from the outside and either a, a whistle or the goalie just cleared it to the corner he wanted and Dallas was coming back the other way. So one goal for the Oilers tonight. That means a $100 donation to 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous, courtesy James H. Brown and Associates. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. They are giving 100 bucks every time the Oilers score throughout the season and there have been some big nights <laughs> for Santa's Anonymous tonight. Not one of them as the uh, total for the season uh, now up to 6900 bucks. Oh, big number. They might add to it tomorrow night. Well, we'll uh, okay, this is going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. So they got Arizona. Yep. Arizona is 4-13-2. They have won two in a row. Mm-hmm. So they're playing better than they have at any other point this season. Now, again, the la- remember the last time the Oilers went into Arizona, again, they did not have a good first period. No, they but did Arizona not. couldn't finish. Koskinen played well. Fogel made that nice play. Yeah. The Oilers were ahead one nothing, and then they, they took over the game well, from there. I, I do believe that the Arizona Coyotes are capable of outworking the Edmonton Oilers. I, I do believe that they are. I think that uh, the Oilers there's a possibility going and you underestimate or you overlook your opponent. They got a big game against Vegas coming up and that's the game that everyone, the two teams everyone's expecting to play in the second round of the playoffs. So you're going to go through Vegas if you want to go to the to the final four. And sometimes you, you start thinking a little bit too much of that and you, you don't give enough respect to the team you're playing against. The problem I have with Arizona winning the game against the Oilers is they can outplay, they can outwork, they can out hustle, they can out battle, they can do all those things against the Edmonton Oilers, but they just don't have the skill level to beat them, in my opinion. I think the Oilers, McDavid and Drysdale, every time I watch it, I, the Oilers go in a game, I look, okay, who can they put on the ice defensively that's going to be able to contain these two? And I just don't think Arizona has that right now. Arizona's not a good team. Uh, they are a team that I. I hope they're rebuilding because this if this is their finished product, it's going to be a, a long few stretch for them. But they just don't have the the ability. And, yeah, the last time they played there, Arizona was much better, especially early in the game. But they had just no finish. Uh, Koskinen, I imagine, is going to get the start, and he's had success there again before. But it's, it's an, going to be another opportunity. I'm guessing Lagason is my guess, will be in the lineup yeah, tomorrow well, night. Like, is Chris Russell the number one D-man on the left side? <laughs> well, actually, the way Broberg's playing, he's well, playing Broberg very well. Broberg might play a lot, yeah. But again, on the left side right now, Broberg was in the minors last week, and Russell was in the press box. And the, tomorrow, it'll be Lagason will be the third, and he's been in the minors all year long. Your left side is all of a sudden very, very thin. Uh, and then on the right side, you got Bouchard, who's still very raw and actually had a very rough game tonight. So all of a sudden, CeCe uh, becomes a very important player in, in the game tomorrow night for someone that can, if things do go sideways, to try and uh, calm things down, as he has been the most consistent defenseman for the Edmonton Because, again, um, Barry had some tough moments again tonight. He's the one that got walked on the breakaway goal. Uh, the Oilers, yeah, I, I can point out a bunch of different players tonight, but nobody up front. I think McLeod was the strongest player that the others had. Everyone outside of him had an off night. Chris Russell tonight wound up playing 23-13. He had eight blocked shots. <laughs> Philip Broberg played 18-59, led the Oilers with five shots on goal this evening. McDavid played 20-50, had three shots on goal. Dreisaitl had an assist, played 20-56, had a shot on goal. And uh, Leon had a, f- a frustrating night. He, yeah, he, like, was, we've seen him get angry, yeah. sometimes even when they're winning, but you notice it more when they're losing. <laughs> yeah, there, there was the good, the two-on-one was beautiful. Well, on the, the other side, it was the dumb penalties. Okay. Time for your phone call. Still 780-496-0063. Oilers fall 4-1 to Dallas. Heartland Ford overtime open line on 630 Chet.
right. Skinner on a redirect. Oilers the other way. Two on one. Dry saddle with McLeod. Dry saddle to McLeod. Scores! Ryan McLeod puts it home on the pass from Drysidle, and that cuts the Dallas lead to 3-1. Well, that's all the offense for the Oilers tonight. McLeod from Drysidle and Pugliarvi. Dallas goes on to win the game 4-1 as Edmonton's record slips to 13-5. So McLeod, Rob, now up to three goals on the season. He plays 11-28 tonight. Actually was uh, the best Oilers face-off man going 6 out of 10. Are, are you seeing signs of comfort, I guess, for lack of a better word, in his game? I think that's a really good word, comfort. Uh, he looks comfortable. He looks confident. Uh, things that we didn't see from him in the preseason, he did not have a good preseason. Uh, I think it was a wake-up call going down to the minors. You know, in the playoffs last year, and then when it ended, everyone thought, okay, McLeod will be here next year. He'll be the third-line center, and that was the expectation. And he came in, and I think he, he more expected the job than tried to earn the job. And that got him a demotion and sent to the minors. And he went down there and worked on things and gained some confidence, felt good about his game. So when he came up this time, he seemed more prepared and ready. And he's using his speed. He's driving the net. He's creating opportunities. Uh, there's an, he's being much more assertive. And you cannot be tentative in the National Hockey League and have success. And you can see that in his game now that uh, he's taking charge. And that's good. And tonight, uh, to me, he was the best player by far for the Edmonton Oilers. So Philip Broberg, another younger player now getting a shot here. First round draft pick, eighth overall. Again, played more tonight. Probably going to have to play more tomorrow if Keith doesn't play. Uh, what would you think of him so far for, for strengths? And then, uh, I mean, he talked about and, and Tippett talked about, okay, playing in the AHL, getting used to the North American style, the four checkers are on you a little quicker. What have you noticed from Broberg? Well, I think there is a a while for a player to adapt to the smaller rinks. I know that I've played in Europe and trying to adapt to the bigger rinks. It was tough. It was weird. It, your angles are different. Your the, the time and space that you have, the distance to the net, uh, it was all, it took a while to understand it, what you can and can't do. So I, I would imagine coming here, it'd be the same. All of a sudden, the game becomes much quicker. And I, I think for Broberg, that's what he's noticing. But in this game tonight, if you go through all the defensemen in the Oilers lineup, I can remember a big uh, mistake by every player on the Oilers' defense, except for Broberg. I can remember where, where a giveaway by Keith. Bro, um, Bouchard getting turned inside out. Uh, CeCe turning the puck over. Tyson Berry getting walked and breaking his ankles on the, the breakaway goal. But Broberg, I don't remember any of that. I remember some calmness about his game. I remember... Uh, getting pucks through. As you said, he led the Oilers in shots on net. He skates well. I, I don't know if he's ever going to be a big physical defenseman, but he's got size and gets in the way. So uh, I, I think that the fact that you don't notice him in the defensive zone is good. And when he has the puck on the stick in his offensive zone, uh, he has the ability to get pucks through. And what you like about him is he's putting pucks on net. Not often do you see a rookie defenseman in his second game lead a team in, in shots when you start throwing out the McDavid's and the Dreisaitl's and the Nugent Hopkins and all those players are on the team as well. So uh, he's been good. And I, I think if there's any benefit to injuries, and you don't want anyone to get hurt, but if there's ben benefit to injuries, Broberg's playing minutes and he's playing important minutes in certain situations that he wouldn't have played in this year. He pro we probably wouldn't have seen him. If the Oilers are healthy, we probably wouldn't see him until maybe March. Yeah, if that or next year or next year and now all of a sudden we're seeing him penalty we'll see him penalty killing we'll see him four on four we'll see him uh playing last minutes appeared playing against the other team's best players these are things to get to evaluate a young player and so far and it's only been a couple games but so far he's looked very good well he can skate i mean yeah. i think we see that and obviously mcleod can skate as well though you gotta skate to the right places yeah. and, and skate when you when you know you might get hit but i think broberg has the ability to move the puck up, up up the ice but this is 
this this is going to be a test. I mean, I think even against Arizona and, and the games ahead for the Oilers, I mean, Nurse is out another couple of weeks. Keith, we don't know. I mean, I, if I had to guess, I would say he's not in tomorrow. I wouldn't think he'd be in tomorrow, no. Possibly for Wednesday, but we have no idea you what know, You is. don't know. But uh, so, yeah, you're, you're, you're being tested on on the back end. Uh, Arter, you've been tested in net, and the, and the two guys have have passed for the I mean I know Skinner's record is two and three but I wouldn't give him a bad start in any nope. of those games he's and, been very and good then, you know I know Koskinen still makes people nervous but he is he is nine and two and I would expect him to play tomorrow so the Oilers working through all that kind of stuff and and uh Every, know. everyone has injuries uh Vegas played without Stone Pacioretty and well, now yeah, major injuries yeah. yeah like they've had their stars out the Penguins went for a long stretch without Latang, Crosby and Malkin McKinnon's been in and out of the lineup for Colorado everyone has injuries and as a, as a GM and a coach you now evaluate and see okay if we're going to be in this come February March Okay, what do we need depth-wise? Okay, well, we got to see what Lagesson and Broberg and Bouchard and, and, and Perlini, like all these players are getting extended minutes because of injuries. So now you know, are these guys good enough for us in the playoffs or is there something that we have to go out and get? So that's what you do when you have injuries. You start evaluating your depth players and finding out if they're strong enough now or if they str- will be strong enough in the future. And, and you got to take advantage of a, a poor situation. And that's what injuries are. All right, so the Oilers fall 4-1 to the Dallas Stars. You can get us on the Certainty Hotline, 780-496-0063. Back in a couple of minutes, Heartland Ford, overtime open line. Dallas 4, Edmonton 1, your final tonight. Oilers back at it tomorrow at Arizona. Our coverage at 6, game at 8. It's always interesting when the Oilers go up against one of your former teams, Rob. (laughs) You did play one game for the Dallas Stars. Yeah, I'm still remembered fondly there for that one game. You'll get a tribute video (laughs) when you go back. November 27th, 1993, you were minus 1 which was better than most of your teammates in a 10-4 loss to the Detroit Red Wings. Do you remember this game? I got hurt in it. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, it's okay. It, it, it's healed now. Um, <laughs> I do remember I got hurt in it, but that's all I remember of the game. That was uh, Bob Gainey. Uh, I was supposed to play five games, and after five games they're going to decide either they're going to trade me or I would stay with the Dallas Stars the rest of the year. I got hurt that game. He never played me again, sent me to the minors, and that was the end of my career with the Dallas Stars. So it wasn't a, an illustrious Hitch career Hitch wasn't there. coaching yet. No, Hitch was coaching in the minors. Okay. So he sent me back down, and that's where I went down and played with Hitch in, in Kalamazoo. Had a lot of fun. It was a good time in Kalamazoo. But, uh, yeah, no, I I do remember the game in Detroit getting hurt, but that was about all I remember. This would have, this was a crazy game. 3 nothing Detroit after the first uh, 5-2 Detroit after the second period, and then Detroit got five goals in the first 10 and a half minutes of the third to make it 10-2. And then uh, Mike McPhee and Mike Craig got a couple quick ones back for, for you guys, 10-4 the final. Yeah, I had already showered and was sitting You've in the press box at that done. point, yes. Just looking at some of the guys in this game, uh, Mike Sillinger had three points, Fedorov scored twice, Sean Burr had three assists, Paul Coffey had a goal and two assists. Yeah, it was point night for the Detroit Red Wings. It's funny that Mike Sillinger, who was with the Oilers for a while, worked for the Oilers. We played, uh, I was with the Blackhawks, and we played Detroit in the playoffs one year. And uh, Stefan Matteau called me up and said, hey, do you want to go golfing tomorrow? I said, yeah, let's go golfing between games and the playoffs. We went out to the golf course, and there were four Chicago Blackhawks and four Detroit Red Wings. Mike Sillinger was one of the guys, and we teamed up. And I believe Mike Sillinger was my partner in the game in the middle of a playoff series. Really? Yeah. We didn't. We did not tell anyone because Mike Keenan would have killed us. But we uh, played out in a golf course between games, and Blackhawks and Red Wings getting along. And then the next day, we went out and tried to knock each other out. So, but yeah, you don't see that a lot. Well, I mean, it does sound like players are going to fight each other off the ice. Though in the oh, 80s, some, some Flames and Oilers might have in the yeah, 80s. Yeah, there, there are some guys that don't get along and never will. Yeah, fair enough. But Mike Sillinger, really nice guy. Yeah. I enjoyed my day with him. Well, and you weren't going to fight on the golf course. I, I, I wasn't. Poor etiquette. I try not to fight on the ice as well. 
It hasn't gone well for me in my career. Well, just the one didn't go well. That the one rest did, were fine. That one didn't go very well the, at the, all. The rest were fine. So that was your that was the one game you played in 93-94. In the NHL, yes. Yeah, sorry, in the NHL. Yes, it yes. so was it. I played I played a bunch <laughs> of games in the minor. In Actually, the minor. I had a really good year down in the Kalamazoo. It was that was uh, one of my f- Is that where they make cornflakes? Uh, there is a famous thing down there. I'm not sure which what it is, but there is some famous. I think it's a famous pyramid scheme type building, or type company down in uh, Kalamazoo. I don't know. We played. Uh, I think it was Wings K Wing Stadium or something like that. It's a college town. It's where Western Michigan is. So we used to hang out at the Western Michigan area. It was fun. We had. It's nice. It was one. I played a game down there one night, and after the game, they always have player of the game, and it was always given to the home team, and we lost ten nothing. And I was player of the game, and I had to skate to center ice and get interviewed in a ten nothing loss. That was very embarrassing. Yeah, that doesn't sound fun. Sorry, uh, I guess it's Battle Creek, Michigan, where they make which flakes. is right down the street. Battle Creek. We used to go there. Okay, for, so there's that'd some be nice the closest. Oh, very, very out. close. Yeah, we used to go there for night. There's a nice restaurant there we used to have dinner at. Really? Yeah. I had a lot of free time in the minors. <laughs> what kind of cr- uh, fan support did you get in Kalamazoo? This, we had, like, is this the K-Wings? That was the K-Wings, yeah. We had good t- I, the K was, stands for Kalamazoo. Yes, yes. I, well, it was funny. It, we had a, I, had a, I rented a house with two other young players, and one fell in love while he was there, moved in with his girlfriend. The other guy got traded and ended up having this really big house to myself. It was really nice. You would have oh, enjoyed. the Kalamazoo Wings. Yeah. The, the shortened version is the K-Wings. K-wings yeah. I was thinking that they were the Kalamazoo K-Wings. Oh, that would that'd oh, be the, K- the, yeah, the that K-K-Wings. Would yeah, that would not be good. No, no. <laughs> Too many bad things yeah, to happen when you start with those letters. Yeah, no, it was, it was uh, well, it's funny. Down there, like, well, the Edmonton Oilers, how many people do you think have work in the Edmonton Oilers office? Hundreds? Is there a 1,000 people? No, when, probably. Marketing, tickets. It wouldn't be a 1,000. It would be hundreds. It'd be, yeah, maybe a few. Well, in Kalamazoo, we had Ken Hitchcock, a secretary, and this one business dude. Three guys well, that ran the entire well, the, the organization. Well, did the also do the play-by-play? Because Jack did all the travel when he was in Anchorage. He booked all the travel for the team. Honestly, I can't remember who was our, our radio guy. I'm not sure anyone listened to the games in Kalamazoo. <laughs> I can't remember. Um, yeah, I don't recall that. Well, I'll have to look him up. It, it was... But it would it was a, it was a fun experience. It would not be a place I'd want to move to, but it was a fun experience. I, we had, what, we had, what else did they have for sports? Nothing. There was nothing there. We were, Kalamazoo is actually halfway between Chicago and Detroit, so oh, okay. you would stop there for gas. We had three rookies that roomed together there: um, Mike Torchy, a goalie from Kitchener, Cal McGowan, and this I can't remember the other guy's name. But they roomed together. And they, had, they held a party, and we went to their house for this big. Halloween party or something like that and there's they had two kitchens in this big house they rented because everything was dirt cheap there the one kitchen had about 30 garbage bags in it and like me and this Derek Smith used to play for the Flyers Bradbury we're all seasoned vets like what are you doing they didn't want to pay the $8 a month for the garbage pickup so they were just going to take it to a dump, but they'd gotten lazy, and there was 30 garbage bags in their kitchen. So we're talking weeks and weeks of garbage in their kitchen. That doesn't sound conducive to comfortable living. No, no, and there's rats in the <laughs> <Yeah>. States. <laughs> and I believe there were rats in there. That was the last time we went to their house for a party. My goodness, that's yeah. a questionable life decision. Oh, that wasn't the worst decisions that they'd made down there. So, well, fair enough. But yeah. that was, yeah, no. That's one you can share. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a lot of hitch stories from down there, too. I'd already had three years of hitch in junior, and then I got to have yeah, He really again. liked you as a player, eh? Uh, he told me so. There was, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, I, I enjoyed hitch. I really did. But he, hitch was not easy to play for. He, you had to have a very thick skin. You had to be able to tune him out. <laughs> Um, he was loud. He made sure he was heard. Uh, he was stubborn. Uh, if you allowed him to, he'd, you'd get the, he'd get the best out of you. But there's a lot of guys that he broke their confidence. And, uh, yeah, he, he, they did not have fun years for Ken Hitchcock. I had great times. He hitched two or three times in my pro career. He came into the city that I was living in and had Christmas with my family. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I've, I, we, our family's been very, very close with Hitch for years and years and years. Yeah. But, so uh, he's back uh, with the Blues now as a consultant, I believe. I, I think he's where he needs to be now. I, I, I think that he's a guy that know, has a wealth of knowledge that can help. 
but I don't think you want him hands-on right now. You want him in the background and as a guy that, you know what, this is what we're seeing. Let's call Hitch, and maybe Hitch can help us out. Yeah. Well, speaking of the line juggling, like that two-thirds of a season or whatever it was he coached the Oilers, we never saw the lines blended like that in the time <laughs> you and I have been together. Like, it would be five minutes in. Oh, well, yeah. we we're not doing well. And, well, the best was uh, you could hear Hitch. We, li- we sat in the press box, and you could hear Hitch screaming, sitting in the press box. Uh, there's one player in the Oilers still plays. I'm not going to say who it is, but he said he would go home and he could hear Hitch in his dreams. Yeah. And they were nightmares because he was still screaming. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, not a good dream of a game for the Oilers tonight in Dallas. They are stifled offensively and they lose 4-1, their fifth loss of the season. We'll take a quick timeout. It's Harlan Ford overtime open line. All right, here's how it broke down tonight. 10.59 into the game on the power play. Hints from Randjulov and Klingberg, a double deflection goal. Radulov ticked it, and then Hints tipped it in, so it was one nothing Dallas. Another power play goal for the Stars exactly five minutes later. Robertson, a one-timer from Hints and Klingberg. So for the first time this season, the Oilers allowed two power play goals against in a game. Second period, Gurianov just after Dallas power play expired. They almost got three. He wheeled in. Klingberg and Heiskanen get the assist. Three assists for Klingberg today. That was at 9.27. Then at 10.35, Edmonton with a quick reply. McLeod, his third from Dreisaitl and Pugliarvi, but Edmonton could not muster any Anything else? Glenn Denning on a deflection from Suter and Kivaranta. 4-1 Dallas. That was at 8-19 of the third. And that was it. The Stars outshoot the Oilers 33-22 for the first time this season. Connor McDavid does not get a point. You get more on this game, more on the Oilers on 630Ched.com, globalnews.ca. Right back at it tomorrow. Face-off show at 6, game at 8, Oilers at Coyotes. And don't forget, Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. We've been in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. You've been listening to Heartland Ford, overtime open line. Oilers fall 4-1 in Dallas. Take care. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.